The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome to Squawk Box with Karen Cho and myself, Steve Cedric. Very, very busy corporate day. We'll bring you over the next three hours. Here are your headlines. Tech stocks lead the S&P 500 and NASDAQ to fresh record highs, whilst Facebook's second quarter earnings reveal advertisers still like the social media giant, despite regulatory concerns. Tesla shares plunge in after-hours trade as second quarter earnings fall short of Wall Street estimates, and its longtime chief technology officer steps down. The euro hovers near two-month lows against the dollar amid the prospect of more easing from the European Central Bank. New UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson assembles his cabinet, naming Sajid Javid Chancellor, while reiterating his vow to deliver on Brexit. We're going to fulfil the repeated promises of Parliament to the people and come out of the EU on October the 31st. No ifs or buts. I remember looking back in April at Roche figures and looking at their upgrade to their sales estimates to mid-single digit and thinking, can they sustain that in very difficult times? I'm pleased to say we're starting off the show with a beat today. Um, It looks like a very strong set of numbers, first blush as well. They're upping their performance for the um, year, I believe. Uh, Strong performance for the first half. Report strong performance in first half 2019. Outlook raised. There is the point. Outlook raised. And I'll just tell you that basically uh, they've come in with a 9% group sales increase at constant exchange rates, 8% in Swiss Franks as well. Uh, I'm pleased to see that the pharma division being driven by very important drugs going forward, such as uh, or Ocravus, which uh, in the first quarter saw sales rise 67% as well. Uh, that is a very important multiple sclerosis treatment. The, the cancer immunotherapy drug Tecentric also gets a mention of driving pharmaceutical sales up 10% as well. Approvals in the second quarter as well. In the US, uh, polyvy for previously treated aggressive lymphoma. All of these drugs, very important for the world we live in. Lymphomas, cancer drugs as a whole, um, multiple sclerosis drugs as well. Uh, I'll just tell you what Severin Schwann has said before we speak to Severin Schwann later on. Uh, in the first half of the year, we achieved strong results, high demand of new medicines, pleased to, uh, with the expedited approvals of health authorities as well, increasing the out Look, Juliana, for once, I'm very happy to start the show with a beat as well. You join us from Basel, of course, where you'll be speaking to Mr. Schwamm. Uh, yes, Steve. Well, I haven't yet spoken to Mr. Schwamm, but we will be speaking to him shortly. So stay tuned for that interview. But just on these results, Steve, you did an, an excellent job summarizing them, a very strong result from Roche. And to put this into context, they also had a strong Q1. They had already raised their outlook at that stage. And now again today, we are seeing them raise it again. So now for the full year, they're expecting mid to high single digit sales growth. And the important thing here is that the strength we've seen has come from a lot of their new products in the pharma 
pharma division. So a few of the key drugs that uh, analysts are, very, are, are excited about. Now, in terms of Roche, the bigger story here is about whether their new drugs will be able to offset declining sales due to erosion from biosimilars. This is the sort of long-time theme for Roche. And we got an update on the erosion that they've seen so far. In Europe, the sales were affected by biosimilars and were down about 4%. And the question for the second half of the year is the pace at which they will see erosion from the U.S., which is, um, has been later to adopt biosimilars that are a threat to Roche's business. So that's one of the questions that we'll be looking to get an answer to when we speak to Severin Schwann. But no doubt about it, this is a strong set of results. One other thing that's going to be at the fore of investors' minds today is an update on Spark Technologies. Spark Technologies is a gene therapy business that Roche uh, announced they would be buying earlier this year, but it's been delayed and delayed. So we'll be looking for any update on that business, given that is a very exciting unit moving forward and will be a growth driver for them. But coming back to today's results, this was a beat versus expectations. And importantly, despite the expected erosion from biosimilars in the U.S., they are already raising their guidance again for the full year. So stay tuned. We will be bringing you that interview with the CEO of Roche, Severin Schwann, uh, just a little bit later this morning. Guys? Yeah, excellent. Thank you very much indeed. As I say, the, um, the, the comparisons last year, this year, 24.2 billion Swissy of, um, of pharma sales as opposed to 21.8 previously as well. The US looks like it's a big driver of that. Tough comparisons in Europe made the European operation a little bit tough. I do need to move on to BASF, and I've been looking at these shares. Um, tough performance for this company, actually, which uh, had a 52-week high just over a year ago, actually, of 85 uh, euros per share. They're now, as you can see, trading 64. So the last three months especially has been incredibly tough. And I see very little, I'm afraid, to get you excited about these results as well. They are saying a second quarter net income of 6.5 billion euros, resulting from deconsolidation of Wintershall, uh, plus 5 billion euros uh, compared with second quarter 2018. So a disappointing figure there, perhaps. Global economic risks have increased significantly. There you go. That's what you need to know. Increased significantly during recent months. We now expect a global decline of minus 4.5% uh, over the full year in the auto industry. And we'll be speaking to Jacques Aschenbach of uh, Valio later on about that very issue. Uh, and just to underline how tough it is for the chemicals group out of Germany, more than 1,100 employees have accepted an offer and signed termination agreements in the first half of the year. The troubles for the chemical sector look like they are continuing, but um, they say chemicals and material segments accounted for 83% of the overall earnings decline in the second quarter. So chemicals and materials, 83% of the decline. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning. I'm pouring through some drinks numbers. Uh, yes, as, as is I want. I look at chemicals and you <laughs> and look and at drug companies drinks, and yeah. I get uh, the drinks companies. I think that's absolutely right. AP InBev, uh, a company very much in the headlines of that late as it's uh, cancelled that IPO in Asia but decided to sell part of its Australian business to uh, some investors. And, and what you've got today, just a report card for the second quarter, one of the, the favourite comments around the set is around some of the seasonality and we've had a very late Easter that's thought to benefit this company. You think, well, it happens every year, you get Easter, but the volumes are higher in the second quarter, supposedly, because of the late Easter, where some of those volumes push, pushed out instead of being in the first quarter. So investors have been looking for that factor, but also some of the higher pricing coming through from the US market. The numbers today look to be a beat. If you look at the uh, Q2 total volumes, 146.1 million 
hectolitres versus 143 anticipated uh, from the same time a year ago, I should say. So that's a high number coming through. The Q2 normalised EBITDA at 5.86 billion. That is higher than the 5.75 billion seen in a poll. When it comes to the Q2, they've achieved their best volume performance in more than five years, contributing to a strong top line and EBITDA performance. The Q2 normalised profit attributable to equity shareholders is at 2.47 billion. That is also a beat on the 2.35 scene. Just a couple of lines. I want to get out the the revenue number, 13.96 billion. That number is also above expectations. Net capital expenditure between 4 and 4.5 billion uh, for next year. And the outlook. Keep in mind, this is a company with a fairly high debt level. And one of the commitments investors will be looking for today is a commitment to tackle that debt despite the cancellation of the IPO. They say they continue to expect uh, cost per hectolitre to increase by mid-single digits with currency and commodity headwinds to be offset by cost management initiatives. And it's those cost management initiatives that uh, investors will be looking for execution on. Also expect dividends to be growing over time although growth in the short term is expected to be modest given that deleveraging commitment. So uh, I think that's quite key on the Do you know what the acronym IWSR stands for? Don't worry, because I didn't know what it was a couple of seconds ago. Uh, And I think, I still don't know, I've only got to the S bit. I presume it stands for International Wine and Spirits something. Anyway, it's a big um, international group that looks at alcohol sales and consumption as well. And the fact of the matter is that worldwide global alcohol consumption uh, is declining, apparently last year, by 1.6% to 27.6 billion cases, according to the IWSR drinks market analysis. The point is, I wonder is, um, is uh, a stock like uh, AB InBev, which dominates the beer space in many ways as well, is it in the wrong part of the alcohol spectrum as well, as mass markets appear to be abating on the amount of beer they drink? It's all about the Gen Z and millennials, right? Not and making as we'll hear up from for Diageo about what you've seen from stuff. other generations. Yeah, that's, that's the point. You've got to start moving into new markets. Mm. And is a new market around some of the non-alcoholic beverages or is it something else, even cannabis? And that's something a lot of the drink companies have decided to go yes. into as a potential new growth area. So investors will be looking for those but, but, but isn't it amazing how there are many things to be disappointed about the generations that came after my generation and your generations? Well, many things to be disappointed about. And one of them is their alcohol consumption. They're just not as good at drinking as we used to be, are they? That's right. I mean, we're, if you consider the conversations, you Jeff and I well, have all this, morning on Monday morning, we're, we're helping All this healthy lifestyle rubbish. Yes, anyway. <laughs> what about the markets, anyway? Let's take a look at the action. More heady numbers to report on the NASDAQ and the S&P in session, both seeing fresh all-time highs and... Uh, as we saw the 12th record close on the S&P for 2019. So just 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 this year alone, the ninth record level for the NASDAQ in 2019. So the levels 8,321 and 3,019 uh, firmer across the board and pretty decent percentage levels too, if you look at the size of the NASDAQ gain. When it comes to the Dow, you can see out of lockstep and uh, Dow fortunes impacted by a couple of big stocks. Boeing should be not any surprise after all some of the negative commentary about right down with the uh, program that the grounded airline that has been a real thorn in the company's side. Caterpillar also accounting for some of the movement in the index as well. But uh, one of the big underlying factors for the market has been the very strong run in semiconductors of late, and that has very much propelled the Nasdaq and the S&P 500 forward. Uh, investors today, let's push on to the Asian markets and see what they're looking at uh, as they pick up on that mostly positive fortune from Wall Street. It's cautiously positive across the charts. A lot of the big ticket items still very much in play. 
they earning season, whether it's justifying some of the numbers that we have seen on the stock market prices stateside. The other big one, central bank action. And today, very much a theme for Europe in particular. We're watching for any move from the ECB today and also any direction from the central bank. So look for that impact on European markets today. That's the big function that will be flagging up for whether we see a more stimulatory European central banks. So uh, the opening calls with that in mind, uh, a quick look at uh, the European uh, signals, 51 on the Italian market, perhaps a beneficiary of any more action from the ECB, but across the board we are perched uh, nicely. The FTSE 100 uh, trading up by 12 early hours, suggesting a bounce too after we have a new lineup in cabinet as well. I've never got the R for IWSR. It's International Wine and Spirits Record, apparently, as opposed to Integrated Weapons System Review. I think that's something different at the DOD. Uh, right, Facebook's reported uh, better than expected earnings in the second quarter, despite intense regulatory scrutiny on this social media giant. The company posted more than $2 billion in profit even when taking $3 billion in charges related to investigations and privacy concerns. Elizabeth joins us around the desk. So big fines, but what about the performance of the company? Big fines, but it ultimately looks like it's not going to affect the companies. Even in the short term here, we see shares trading higher in extended trading. After that announcement came out yesterday, Facebook shares also gained about 1%. This comes down to the numbers being good. The revenues were $16.9 billion in the second quarter. That's 28% growth year on year. So Facebook is continuing to bring in new sales and continuing to bring in that advertising revenue. We also look at that all-important average revenue per user number, which is $7.05. That was way above the estimate. So So the ultimate bottom line there is that Facebook is continuing to bring in per user, and that's how analysts Look at look at its performance. Now, if you look at Facebook by the numbers, also daily active users and monthly active users continuing to grow despite these privacy concerns. And this is one of these sort of paradoxes that we've been talking about. The company did warn about where those privacy initiatives would show up, and that was in its operating expenditures. Things like headcount, we saw massive growth, other um, you know expenses going forward, but looking like a solid report from the numbers perspective from Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg brought out Sarbanes-Oxley. Not something you expect the head of Facebook to be talking about in a conference call on earnings. But effectively, he was talking about how some of the financial controls work at public companies, the auditing process. And he wants privacy controls to look very much like those auditing controls. I mean, other than the fact that he bought investors with this type of commentary, can we expect more from the company? Or is it just empty rhetoric after all the fines, all the legal cases and all of the commentary that's happened uh, at a European parliamentary level? And Congress. So we do know that as part of this FTC settlement yesterday, Facebook has to create somewhat of an independent privacy board. And essentially, a key part of that board is that Mark Zuckerberg won't have overall voting power on it. So they did limit his authority a bit in that sense. And there was a talk on the call yesterday about how the company, including Mark Zuckerberg, is moving, has to move forward with that. They, they signed this agreement. It's a done deal. Now, I also want to highlight that they disclosed a new antitrust investigation in this call yesterday. So the, they officially said that the FTC has opened an antitrust investigation into the company. This is on top of that DOJ review that we got yesterday that's looking at antitrust broadly among tech companies. And it's on top of the existing FTC settlement. So it looks like the regulatory pressure is only going to continue. And this is quite a big disclosure 
officially, both from Facebook and the FTC. A slightly curly one. I, I was looking through some of the ambitions for the company, and they are moving towards Instagram shopping, but also marketplace on Facebook. And woven into this is the payment system Libra that we've all been talking about around the set. Where does uh, where does all this go if there is no Libra? Because it remains to be seen whether the payments option will actually work. Does that mean there's still a viable business underlying all this? Yeah, I was a bit surprised how much Zuckerberg focused on his vision for Libra, despite all of this sort of negative sentiment that we heard around it from the regulators just in the last month. But they are certainly building in this payments, you know, idea into their longer term outlook. Now, in the short term, the revenue is almost entirely from advertising and it doesn't look like that's slowing down. So it's not like if we don't see Libra take off next year, we're all going to see a sudden deceleration in Facebook revenue. And a big part of that ad revenue is coming from stories and they have, you know, very, very solid growth across stories pointing to solid growth, particularly in Instagram stories. And that looks like it's going to continue to bring in those um, ad dollars, at least in the short term here. Elizabeth, thank you very much for that. Uh, meantime, Tesla posted a larger than expected loss in the second quarter, sending shares sharply lower in after hours trade. The electric car maker also announced Chief Technology Officer J.B. Strobel will step down despite the loss. Elon Musk said he expects to see the firm return to a profit in the fourth quarter of this year. Coming up on the show, Vallejo pledges to outperform the global auto market in 2019 despite a decline in first half operating profit. We're going to be speaking to the French firm's CEO next. Uh, plus, the earnings keep rolling in and we've got a range of top executives lined up. Don't miss the CEOs of Diageo, Roche, Unilever and AstraZeneca all to come on Scorebox. CNBC's exclusive invitation-only retreat returns to Nanshao, Guangzhou, China in 2019. We explore all things tech from artificial intelligence to 5G. Join the world's most prolific investors, inventors and entrepreneurs as they share their stories and celebrate innovation. Visit EastTechWest.com for an application to attend. Welcome back. Boeing's biggest ever quarterly loss sent shares lower on Wall Street amid the grounding of the troubled 737 MAX. Boeing says it expects the aircraft, which hasn't been flying since mid-March, to return to the skies in the fourth quarter. Shares accelerated losses after the CEO, Dennis Mullenberg, warned he may cut or suspend production of the best-selling plane if delays get worse. Ford shares plunged in extended hours. Let's take a look, 5.5% lower after the U.S. carmaker reported lower than expected second quarter profits. The company was hit by restructuring costs from its European and South American units, while sales in China slipped almost 22%. Ford's adjusted earnings forecast for 2019 also came in below forecasts. Vallejo's operating profit dipped by almost a third in the first half. The French car parts supplier was hit by slumping vehicle production in several major markets. But the company backed its four-year goals and said it's on track to deliver planned 
cost cuts. Jacques Achambois, the CEO of Valeo, joins us now. Jacques, nice to have you back with us on the program. I know that your company has been at pains to point out that you outperformed the market, given all the pain we've been seeing in automated production. But I want to know just how bad the backdrop is, given that you're still facing some of the same headwinds. Are we looking at a short-term transition issue for the Chinese market, or is this a longer-term issue that's starting to play out? I think what was very important in the first half of this year is that after the market went down, you remember one year ago, we were the first one to notice that the market were going down. And the market went down 4.5% in the second half of the year, last year, and 7% in the first half of the year. What was very important for us was to demonstrate that after the low point in the second half of last year, we're in the way to come back to normal profit. 4.8% uh, before GV and Associate, 53 in the first half of this year. And confirming our guidance, it means that we'll do over 6.3% in the second half of the year. So you see, we are going back to better profit. And at the same time, we have been able to generate a very high level of free cash flow of 237 million. So despite the very tough market conditions, we are demonstrating that we are back uh, on track. Jacques, but if we talk about the broader trends, we know that there has been a move away from certain type of vehicles, some of it propelled by emissions cheating in Europe, some of it uh, very much driven by just new trends, self-driving cars, also the move towards electric. When it comes specifically to the Chinese market, which seems to be the pain point for many of the auto companies, is it because the Chinese government is actively pushing customers towards newer types of vehicles, perhaps without the same incentives, or is it about a trade war that's been waged? How would you sort of pinpoint the type of transition that we are seeing right now? It's very difficult to uh, forecast what will happen in the next few months. But what we see from our order book for the third quarter, the market is starting to stabilize. We have made the assumption after 7% drop for the first half of the year, it will be uh, 4% for the whole year. That means that it should be minus 1% in the second half of the year. So we see it stabilizing, probably stabilizing each one uh, in the each part of the world. And what you mentioned is very important. The market is changing. We're investing a lot for electrification of the powertrain uh, with our uh, partner Siemens in our joint venture for electric cars, but also for MIDE Hybrid and also for ADAS and driving assistance. So the market is changing a lot. We need to invest for preparing ourselves for those change of technology. At the same time, it's a much more challenging environment. But what is important for us is that we are moving forward and we are improving step by step our result, like I mentioned earlier. And yet, Jacques, I think a lot of viewers and investors who are very excited about the story at Valeo and the, and the, and the industry belong will be very disappointed at the moment. Bearing in mind your shares in April 2017 were trading at 65 euros and they are now trading significantly less than half of that now as well. And yet I go on your website and I see amazing opening pages about smart cocoon, empathic mobility, uh, autonomous tests in Paris. It all looks very exciting. So why have investors, why have our viewers lost? so much money on your shares in the last two years? You know, when you in, uh, have innovation, you need to invest for the innovation. Uh, like I said, the technology is changing. Uh, the industry is moving towards uh, electrification of the powertrain. We are the leader in the electrification of the powertrain. The ADAS, uh, all what is around safety in the car, we are the leader in all the sensors. So I think that we are in that wave of investment. 
in the wave of investment where we are preparing our future. At the same time, we have to really cut, cost, uh, cut our cost in order to take in consideration what is happening in the market in terms of market moving down. So we are in that phase where we invest for the future, and that is extremely important for us to be really part of the very fast uh, uh, growing uh, market segments, and we are in. And at the same time, we have to adapt our structure uh, to the actual market. And, and so we're investing for the future, and uh, we are generating cash to be able, on one hand, to pay our dividends, and the other hand, to prepare our own future. I, I hear you, sir. But I mean, I, and I know about that investment. I mean, you, you and I and the whole industry and Karen have talked about this. It's $300 billion they expect to spend in the next five to 10 years on electric vehicles alone, plus autonomy and other areas as well. But what worries me is it will be growth and spend at not profitable levels, especially when I see your operating margins sir, declining uh, to 5.3% of sales in the first half from 7.7% a year earlier. So whilst we're all agreed we need to move forward with EV and these other amazing technologies and I'll take your word that Valeo has got a good grip on it. My worry is about will it be profitable, sir? Yeah, when we look at our order, uh, order book, uh, the past order book and the one we have got in the first half of this year, it's a profitable order book. So we have in the 11.1 billion of order that we took in the first half of this year, as a matter of fact, an increasing uh, profitability on our order book. So it goes in the right direction. Of course, the profit on the capital invested will be lower because we need to invest a lot. But in terms of margin, I'm not worrying that step by step, like I said, we're going to increase our margins. The wave of investment is clear. Our customers are investing a lot. Uh, key suppliers like Valeo are investing a lot. But I'm very confident that step by step, we can make it profitable, which is a key lever, of course, for our future and for the, our stock price in the future. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.